What's going on, guys? Welcome to Looking Ahead to Better Days. I am Chris. Now I'm Ryan. And we have just an absolutely packed episode for you. What do we got for him, uh, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, it's really been great working together. We've had uh, really been able to divide and conquer. Uh, we got a public services announcement about Virginia ballots. We have a bunch of why bettos to talk about, a fundraising event that you actually uh, put on, so that'd be good to talk about. We have a very special guest, uh, Ethan Behrman. Uh, you've probably seen him on Twitter running around. Uh, probably seen him on uh, television, Fox News. I know he goes out there a lot as a big Beto supporter. We got him coming on. And we're also going to be introducing a new uh, segment on uh, impeachment. So uh, current news, something that's obviously big in the news. It's very important. So we want to follow it. And we figured that it would be important enough that we went ahead and Create our own little segment specifically for that. So, yeah, yep. uh, a lot of stuff on the on the uh, plate here. Yeah, and you get we got a, a fun filled episode for you guys. Yeah. Um, but before we we really dig into things, we're gonna go ahead and roll out our um, PSA for ballots in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So I have Michelle here, and uh, Michelle, why are ballot petitions in Virginia just super important right now? So in about two dozen states, candidates can't just sign up to be on the ballot. If you saw Running With Beto, you maybe saw him walk into the office and put down his signature and say he was running. In about two dozen states, it's not automatic that candidates get on the ballot. In some states, candidates need to collect 200, 500, 1,000 signatures across the state. In Virginia, it's the most complicated of any state. We have to collect 200 signatures per congressional district, and we have 11 congressional districts here. And that's a lot of signatures. It's also 5,000 for the entire state. Now, if you also watch the documentary um, where they followed around AOC, you may have mentioned, or may have seen that she had to mention that she had to get so many more signatures than she needed because you have to make sure that all of those people are registered in that district, that that is their current address, and signatures oftentimes get thrown out. Now in Virginia, we also have some very rural and very red districts. Those districts can be hard to collect signatures in as you might expect, but yet we still need 200, if not 400 signatures in those districts in addition to our overall 5,000 goal. Not only do we have the most complicated system for getting on the ballot, The deadline for it is also very early. So in other states where signatures are required to get on the ballot, those deadlines are much closer to the actual primary date. However, in Virginia, our deadline is December and our primary is not until March. So we need to get moving now to collect all of those signatures. We already have an amazing, hardworking and dedicated group of volunteers here in Virginia who are working across the state, going to metro stations and farmers markets and high school football games uh, and festivals, everywhere they possibly can to get these signatures. If you are in Virginia and you are listening to this, 
we need you. We need your help. Even if you can commit one Saturday to going out and collecting signatures, that would make such a huge difference toward our overall goal and making sure that Beto is on the ballot in Virginia. Because if we do not collect these signatures, Beto will not be on the ballot here. Yep, You can't vote for Beto if he's not on the ballot. So we've got to get this stuff done. Um, you can get in touch with me or you can get in touch with Michelle. We will get you in touch with the right person to you know, get you the information you need to get Beto on the ballot. So over the uh, so over the weekend, um, I held an event up in Northern Virginia. Um, myself and Kelly Willett um, hosted an event for Marcel McClinton and a March for Our Lives. And Marcel, by the way, is an absolutely phenomenal young person. Like so, I was so in... tell people if they don't know who Marcel is, who is Marcel McClinton? Oh, Marcel uh, McClinton is uh, running for city council in Houston. He's a survivor mm-hmm. of the Memorial Day shooting. Um, in 2016, um, he's just an absolutely phenomenal young man. I'm actually mm-hmm. going to be bringing back on the show to, to do an interview with him at some point. Um, not in this episode, but a, a later one. And I was just absolutely impressed by him. He's such an inspiration to yeah. young people. Um, and as a, as a teacher, that is, that's, that's where I would want my students to go. And that's the kind of, um, you know, personality, not necessarily personality, but things that mm-hmm. I would like to see for them to be able to do. You know, if you, yeah. he saw something he didn't like and he did something about it. Yeah. I had an opportunity to meet him at the, uh, the bait watch party in Houston, uh, about a month ago. And yeah, he's a very bright young kid, uh, you know, very impressive young man, uh, you know, I'm, I I wouldn't certainly have never thought about running for city council of Houston at that age. So, I mean, that's a that's a huge undertaking. And uh, I mean, he's doing it, too. It's not like he's just out there, you know, with his name about he's he's doing it for real. And oh, he's busting his ass. Oh, yeah. And that's impressive. That's real impressive. So this isn't this isn't a Twitter campaign. This is a real thing. This he's doing the real deal out there. Oh, absolutely. And and to hear him tell his story and talk about his campaign, it, it was just in, yeah. incredibly motivating. Um, but we had this event. We held held a fundraiser. The fundraiser went really, really well. Um, we streamed it on um, Twitter. If you haven't seen it, you can go through my feed or our feed and, and, and see that um, on the Looking Ahead to Beto Days um actual official podcast page um but while i was there I was there with a number of beto supporters um because that's one of the big things about being a beto supporter is helping out down ballot tickets so that's how we even got involved in this but mm-hmm. there were so many um so many beto supporters there and i was so jealous of ryan and his his reporting ability i actually went and i got my own why betos for this week so we're going to go ahead and roll those out all right for you right now why beto why not? <laughs> um, because Beto is authentic. He's genuine. He gives a damn. Um, he's a, he's a politician that isn't afraid to ruffle feathers. Isn't afa- afraid to stand up for the kinds of things I believe in. And he's punk rock. He's he's the punk rock presidential candidate. He's gonna he's gonna put Gen X on the map. We're not gonna be the forgotten generation. And he stands for all the values I was raised with. And it just comes through so much in his sincerity and his desire to listen to people and know their stories to be able to think of solutions that would truly work for them, not what's going to work for the PACs because he's not taking any of their money, not what's going to work for the lobbyists because 
it's all grassroots. It's us. It's about us. And we need more politicians that are about us and not about them. And Beto is the one. All right. Thank you. So uh, why Beto? Why Beto? Because he not only is a leader on the issues that are important to so many of us, like common sense gun reform and stemming the tide of racism in this country to reasonable and cooperative trade policy, supporting small businesses, and fixing our very broken healthcare system, not only because of those issues that are important to hundreds of millions of people in this country, but because of him as a leader, as a person. He has the unique ability to bring together people from many different perspectives, to get them in the room together, to get them to come to a solution together. When he is talking about policy solutions, he's not just talking about his own ideas. He's talking about the process to make solutions happen. And in this age when politics is so fractured, we need a leader who is capable of bringing people together from many different perspectives and helping them get to consensus. And so it doesn't matter as much what the leader thinks or what their personal ideas are. It matters their ability to get everyone talking to one another and get a solution that everyone can get behind. And that's why I support Beto. Thank you. Why Beto? Well, Chris, uh, thanks for asking. I originally liked Beto during the Senate campaign. And, you know, for me, it was really powerful when he was asked about the NFL kneeling uh, controversy and whether the people were, you know, if he was a patriot or if he, you know, believed these people had the right. And I loved his answer to say that people are patriotic, that stand up for their values, for their desires, and to make America more perfect. And, you know, he, he, he brought it back to Martin Luther King and so forth. And for me, I see that in our politics is there's so many issues are conflated that, you know, we don't make any progress. So, you know, are you a patriot or are you for, you know, Black Lives Matter, Black Rights? And he tied the two together that you're, you know, he didn't just answer half the question. He answered the full question. And, you know, furthermore, then when he started running for um, the president, I felt like he's really what we need. He's a, the new generation, you know, he's got that energy. He excites young people. And I just don't see, you know, my, my parents' generation leading this country out of where we are today. We really need a generation flip. I'm not knocking elderly people, the, the older people, but I do think that energy and that youth and that just connection, we really need that. And that's why I'm for Beto for president. Thank you. Why are you a Beto supporter? I hate answering this question. I don't know why. I think I'd be good at it because I know so many um, reasons. Um, fundamentally speaking, I think he's the only one that gets what's happening and actually truly gives a shit about making it change. So our democracy is basically failing. We're bordering towards Nazi Germany and every other fascist country that's fallen before us. And everyone else is kind of acting like this is a normal election and it's not so Beto kind of has understands that enough and obviously all of his policies align with mine as well but mostly I think he gets gets it 
gets what's happening, if that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Okay. Thank you. So, uh, so, uh, so what do you think? Of, so, what do you think of doing all those uh, Y Betos? How how was it getting those interviews for people? <laughs> it's interesting um, because see my my microphone. I bought it mm-hmm. because it, it it they donated money to um, breast cancer awareness, which is extremely important to me. My brother, who is fourteen now, is a cancer survivor, and I plugged that going into. Um, breast cancer awareness uh, month. My brother is a cancer survivor. I lost both my great grandmother um, and my great aunt to cancer. My uncle mm-hmm. is currently in the throes of battling prostate cancer. So, cancer is cancer is evil, and it is it's, yeah. it's a huge deal. I've had it personally affect my life in ways that I would have never imagined. Um, be sure you're, and here, here's my plug to you. It doesn't matter how old you are. My brother was two. My brother, um, was first diagnosed with testicular cancer and the doctor said that his testicle was, um, uh, it was, it's just, it's just, uh, um, it, it's, it was about the size of a grown man's at a, mm. in a two year old. Um, they just said it was swollen, which is absolutely incorrect. They eventually diagnosed it with cancer. Um, and that he had it, it was removed. He'd probably kill me for him, me t- telling everybody that <laughs> thousands of people who, who, who are going to hear me say that. But I, you know, my brother is now fourteen. He survived two bouts with cancer. He's fourteen now, um, and uh, he's he's a phenomenal kid, man. He's yeah. a he's a he's a damn good pitcher. Um, he works his ass off at baseball, and he's he's pretty bright. I'm I'm really really proud of him. Good for him. Um, good for him. But. Let's go ahead and get into so, today's discussion. Well, you didn't finish that. You didn't finish the question about the uh, uh, getting the Y Betos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got I got off on a tangent <laughs> talking cancer. about my brother. See, I'm I'm real proud of him, man. I I went tangential. Um, anyways, no, it was it was really neat. So I like I said, I had this microphone and uh, I would just it's plugged into my phone and I would have to like stick it in people's faces and the quality, right. I mean, the quality is all right, but it was just really, really awkward at first, especially it was nice because it was people I'd met before and I was kind of like friends with. Mm-hmm. So it didn't, it wasn't too awkward. It wasn't like you going up to random people that you've never seen in your life. Yeah. That was me on uh, basically the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So see, but you got the nice mic. I need to get me one of those as soon as I can, as soon as, as soon as we can, um, we can afford it. I, we need another one of those mics, um, which by the way, we're going to be selling t-shirts soon. Um, mm-hmm. we, you saw the original prototypes. We actually have some other stuff coming. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say too much because this is kind of coming out in next week's episode, but definitely keep a, a beat on the, uh, the Twitter, the old Twitter page mm-hmm. and to the, uh, podcast. We got some, some really good stuff coming yeah. up, which actually leads me into so. the discussion. Um, today's discussion is going to be on the media and Beto. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, uh, Ethan Berma on. He, uh, you know, great guy. Great. It was nice to have an actual professional uh, radio guy on to talk with us for a little bit. So we, uh, before the segment, we got to nerd out a little bit about different microphones and stuff, and <laughs> started uh, telling him how I never, never in my wildest dreams would I ever think I would be caring about audio quality for microphones. But you know, here I am. So. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I listened to the audio from my Y Betos several times. I was like, man, I can get this audio way better. What do I got to do? Like, yeah. I've, I've gotten really into ed- uh, audio editing, editing, and which, by the way, this brings me to um, a bit of a of, of an inside that you guys wouldn't see because I forgot to hit the record button. We got oh, like yeah. ten minutes into the to, into the to the bit, and my wife walks up behind me and waves, and then mm-hmm. she points at the TV, and mouths that i'm a dumbass 
<laughs> I forgot to hit the fucking record button. Got to, so but, we got you know, ten minutes. Ten minutes of lost footage, and and uh, you know uh, I think uh, Demarcus uh, was uh, stuck in traffic at the time, so he was on his earbuds, and I think his connection dropped on and off a couple of times. <laughs> oh yeah, and we've got we had Demarcus back. We hadn't mentioned yeah. him. You, everybody oh, yeah. loves Demarcus. Demarcus is out there just absolutely crushing it. He was basically the king of uh, king of the Iowa steak fry. That dude is doing great and phenomenal things, and we we love when he comes on as as well. He's such a good voice, yeah. and he's such a positive voice, and he's such a good leader. Right, he's exactly what we need um, right so, now. Uh, so uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, bring them on, and uh, let's talk about the media. So for today's discussion, we're going to be talking about the media's treatment of the Beto campaign, for better or for worse. And uh, before Ryan and I get into that, um, we are going to bring on a couple of guests. Um, I'd first like to introduce Ethan Behrman. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, so I'm Ethan Behrman. You might know me from Fox News. I'm the, the crazy California liberal who goes on and debates Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram. And I'm on Fox News at night with Shannon Bream. And you'll see me over on the business side as well with Charles Payne and Neil Cavuto. And uh, yeah, I don't know, I was a talk radio host. I've written a book. I, I write articles as well. And um, there's somewhere out on the internet, you see pictures of me shaking Beto's hand. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, you, you, you've been following his campaign for a while. Um, I, I actually came across you very, very early on as I started... Um, as I started doing my early social media, like I think I came across before I was even doing the the uh, the podcast. You've been you've been a, a better supporter for a, a while, have you not? I have, and uh, it was just it was really such an eye opener though to meet Beto. And and before I go into my story about meeting Beto though, can I introduce our other guest with us, Ab Demarcus? Absolutely. Hmm. Hey. Who hey. I'm a huge fan of Demarcus's as well. <laughs> Oh, the feeling is so mutual. Thank you. I'm like amongst stars right now. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me back, Chris and Ryan. Um, I'm Demarcus Gilliard. I'm uh, a Marine Corps veteran, and I don't watch Fox News normally unless Ethan's on. So um, thank you. It's thank you. Cool, yeah, it's a pretty cool experience. I'm a huge uh, Beto supporter and yeah, definitely excited for the discussion today. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're going to jump right in. And um, Ethan, I we we kind of want your your perspective. Um, what's it like going on TV and radio and writing all these articles? What's it like defending um, Beto? Because you're kind of like the sole voice out there that's uh, that that's kind of positive. We see a lot of negative, but we don't see too much of the positive. What's what's that kind of like? What's that like? Well, it, it's interesting because. Look, it, everybody has a bias. Everybody has, well, I don't want to say everybody has an agenda, but everybody has a bias. And it's evident that some people have just kind of fallen in line, whether it's because of the party bosses or because of their own beliefs or their own whoever's paying their 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 way. Don't ever forget that, too. Who, who's paying the bills? Follow the money. And uh, it, it's an interesting battle that goes on sometimes. And um, I was debating... Uh, uh, whether or not to share the story of something that happened behind the scenes <laughs> on a show. So I'm not going to name the show. I'm not going to name the people who were involved, but um, I was on set with some people, all conservatives, of course. And they asked me, so who are you supporting? And they were probably expecting me to say one of the couple of top, you know, the names that, that we've been hearing at the top of the polls, mm -hmm. we can discuss what that means otherwise. But I said, Beto, 
And they looked at me like Beto. And, and one of them, I think, even said Beto. And then probably mispronounced it like I originally did. And I apologize to Beto for ever having mispronounced Beto. <laughs> and, um, and I said, yeah, no, because it, he's, he's the real deal. He leads with ideas. And, you know, when I, and I, when I, <laughs> when I met him, what made it so interesting to me is the fact that I meet a lot of politicians. I've interviewed a lot of politicians. Mm -hmm. I've met a lot of politicians over the years. And almost all of them are fake to some degree, really. And it's really obnoxious to me, dis, dis, disingenuous, just, it's, you know, whether it's intentional or whether they're just trying to reach something. And, and when I met Beto, when I shook his hand, when I looked him in the eye, it, I, I, I was able to really get a great sense that this is, this is a real person. He's, he's in this for the right reasons. This is the real deal. Beto is, is it. And so it makes it easy for me to have those conversations because to me, it's kind of clear that he's in it for the right reasons. He has great ideas and he's leading um, with his heart and his mind, not just with his desire to have a seven figure lobbying job in a few years. And, and so for me, that that's kind of the general idea of what it's like behind the scenes. But it's frustrating at times, just like sometimes I know it can be for you guys, too, where it's like, wait, how come you're not giving Beto credit for that? You know, and, and, and so there are moments of frustration, but I never let the frustration get to me because the most important thing when interacting with others, if you support a cause or if you support a candidate or an idea, the, the most important thing is to stay positive and to remember to be empathetic that they don't necessarily see things the way that you do. And so you can't get frustrated. You can't get angry at them because they don't see it the way you do. You have to be empathetic to that fact that they're viewing the world through a different lens and they don't have the information that you have and they have different feelings and experiences that lead them to where they are. So I love, and that's one of the things I love about Beto too, is the positivity because that's how I am. And, and so it's really mm -hmm. easy for me to, to feel um, in situations that, that I, I can be open about my support, um, that I, I think he's a, a phenomenal candidate and, and for president. Well, let me ask you something because you talked about a second ago, like these, they, they look at the different lenses to, to in different biases. What do you think like the major lenses and biases that the media is using when they evaluate Beto? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So again, I'm, I won't name names. I'm not going to do any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I mean, I wanna... where are they coming from? I mean, seriously, where are they coming from? Often it's about money. Um, who's paying the bills? Who is, who's talking to whom? Who's friends with whom? And, and I know that money is such a simplistic and, and, and overstated term, but, but really, who do you talk to? We get into these echo chambers, journalists, people, individuals, you do in your daily life. We all get into echo chambers. And what happens is people in power and money positions help set the tone for those echo chambers. And so they reach out to key people in those echo chambers to set an agenda. And it's not conspiratorial. There's nothing dark what I'm saying. It's, it's kind of well known. So it's, I, I'm only shining light on it in a different perspective. Okay. Which is, so if I'm, and, and I don't want to name can't, and I'm not going to name names, but let's just say I'm one of the, the, the three named candidates at the top of the polls right now. When I, when I, or if my people, maybe not even me personally, but my people who's on my team, they're going to immediately reach out to their contacts 
um, and or mm. coordinate with certain party officials. This is why a ground game is so important, but not just at the local level, but at the state level, at the county level. Uh, I'm going to reach out to all of those people immediately and start getting my message out. Hey, this is what's happening. But I'm also going to have all these contacts in the media and I'm going to explain, hey, look, I'm going to give you these exclusives. I'm going to give you these early tips. And those people want that access. And there's a, a self-fulfilling prophecy that happens there that, hey, they're giving me this access. So I'm going to say positive things about them. The thing that we forget outside the world of journalism and the press and the media is these people are desperate to have access. They're going to I'm going to get just shellacked for saying this, but I don't care. Um, well, I believe it. And, <laughs> yeah. and it, but people have to have access. So if I don't write the right thing about somebody or say the right thing about somebody, they might ice me out. And if they win and I'm iced out, I hurt my own career. And so I want to play it safe because I care about my career. I career, care about having access. And it's a dirty game. By the way, this is not unique to Democrats or Republicans. They all do it. And they do it for control of the messaging. And so that's what happens. That's why you will see certain people in the media who maintain a, a um, an attitude about certain candidates, including Beto for that matter. So maybe Beto didn't play that game with that journalist, that media person, that press person. And, and one of the other candidates did and, and beat and, or maybe beat Beto to it. And so that, individual then is going to do that because they are putting their money on another candidate and they're doing it in multiple ways then to ensure their own future viability. So I live my life very differently than that. And, um, I, I it's, I'm sure it's hurt me at plenty of times in my career where I'm just like, no, I'm not, I, I'm going to tell the truth, what I see as the truth. And I know that I might not have access because of it. But I don't care because I have integrity and I'm going to look in the mirror at night and I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up and I'm going to tell my kids and my grandkids in 10 and 20 years that I did the right thing, even if I didn't make as much money or I didn't have as much access, Absolutely. because that's a core value that I have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, can I jump in here really quick? Um, yeah, man, like, get in here. Ethan, <laughs> Ethan, you brought up such a good point about, um, you know, having sort of a preconceived notion or. Um, sort of a set mindset on who a candidate is and how that affects future viability. I want to say what I've observed in that same sort of regard is, so there's this narrative around Beto um, that was sort of contrived, you know, that he's sort of an empty suit. Oh, gosh, he's, I know. He, yeah, he's, you know, lacking substance. And early on, that's sort of what the media, a lot of the media personalities really focused on. And as we've seen, as the campaign has progressed, we've seen Beto actually be quite substantive, actually one of the most substantive candidates. And what I'm finding, and as I'm trying to evaluate people and, and how they operate and this, this idea that, you know, people have to focus on their careers in the future, as far as uh, journalists or the press is concerned. So I, I, I simplify it by saying, is it the fact that they don't want to eat crow? Um, they don't want to be wrong at the end of the day about Beto because 
all of a sudden now he's coming to the the national limelight again. Um, he's rising. People actually are attracted to him. He's more than a than an empty suit. And all those people, all those pundits who sat on the panels for for months and weeks and kind of dragged his name in the mud um, are having to reconcile with that. Um, is is that sort of feeding into um, this constant narrative of negativity because they have to in order to maintain their own credibility. Otherwise, their analysis thus far would be completely buck. Is it, does that make sense, what I'm saying? Like, Yes, it does. Yeah. And, and I think that there is some element to that as well, of course, which is, hey, look, I don't want to be wrong about this. And if I said something early on that was negative now, oof, you know, uh, I would suggest that not a lot of people like to admit that they're wrong. I love right. to admit when I'm wrong. It's, oh, yeah. uh, I think it's one of the most powerful things to do is to be like, hey, guess what? I was wrong. You knew better. Or I, that's like, um, in general, I had my facts wrong or new evidence came out. Now I can shift mm -hmm. positions. Hey, what a concept, <laughs> yeah. people. Absolutely. Uh, that's Absolutely. all Growing, but 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 to your point, Demarcus, is that I think that there is some of that as well. But I I really I I need to I'm I'm gonna make a statement here that is, it can be frustrating when you see people diminishing, demeaning, belittling, because of their own issues, their own advocacy for their candidate. I I can't say this enough. If you actually want to broaden your audience and if you want to if you don't want to just talk to your own people on a topic and by the way i i give this speech to other groups too um you have to stay away from the negativity absolutely the, the negativity that i see like on twitter and and it's it's the worst on on social media oh, it's just it's oh, awful. Yeah, it's bad but it's a cesspool it, it just worst. is oh, but yeah. don't join in the negativity you just you can't do that. You you if 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 another candidate supporter attacks you and your candidate and we're trying to build a broader coalition and and appeal to say, look, you really should be considering my candidate. If if I go, I mean, it's not boot camp, Demarcus, where right. <laughs> demeaning you is and remember, why did your drill sergeant demean you? Right. It's to, to break, break you down. down. Absolutely. It, it's not to educate and enlighten you. It's to break right. you down. Yep. So, so when, when, when that happens with us, uh, it, it's so important to stay away from the negativity and to stay positive and to continue. You can be a broken record of just pointing out Beto did this. Beto's got the great idea about this. Beto talked yeah. about, you know, um, taking, yeah, it's going to be a mandatory buyback of your AR 15 and AK 47 right. and M four and AR 16 and, 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 you know, et cetera, but you can be a broken record about it. You don't have to play the game. Now I have a huge advantage over you guys. I was a talk radio host for many years. Sure. You learn <laughs> to spot that stuff quickly. Right. And it's hard when you're not used to it. I mean, it's hard when you're used to talking to people who are polite and then all of a sudden they're not. Right. So I get that. So I know that's off mm -hmm. the topic from the journalists a little bit, but, but it is a really important message that needs to get out, which is to stay as positive as possible and, and to avoid the negativity whenever possible. It, it doesn't serve anything. So don't do sure. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, it's, that's one of the things that I've noticed with Twitter. And that's something that a lot of people don't think about is if you hassle a candidate's supporters right if you if you were if you just absolutely butcher them or are incredibly mean to them 
they're not going to want to come to your candidate if their candidate does in fact step out. So right. you're alienating entire group of people mm -hmm. that you could absolutely bring on as supporters. Mm -hmm. But if you are supportive of those people and you're and when their candidate drops out, when, if, whatever, you're like, well, why don't you come see how we do things over here? Sure. And, and that brings us direct because the negativity as far as the, you know, Twitter end and some of the, some of those ends towards the media um, kind of gets in the way as a, as a better supporter and a volunteer, uh, Demarcus, how do you handle what you see on, from the media when you speak out about it? Like I know you've done a bunch of PSAs, yeah. Um, as far as mm -hmm. the uh, the the media perspective, so you've put it out there. So just what what how do you handle that? Like what do you do? Yeah. So um, one of the reasons I support Beto is because of his positivity. That's sort of in my nature, um, even as an officer in the Marine Corps. You know, it's a pretty badass organization. You know, I was pretty much the same guy that I am now. Um, and, you know, being yourself actually um, goes a long way when you're when you're a leader. People are attracted to that. And so um, positivity over negativity is sort of my MO. Um, I started paying attention to the media a lot more since uh, the 2018 election. And what I found was the ideas that I want to put out there are about critical thinking and about uh, breaking down the truth and putting that messaging out there um, in order to counter what I view as sort of bias, like Ethan was talking about. And so that's my approach to all of this sort of negativity is let's, let's break down the facts. Let's go with what's true and put that out there. And then I feel better knowing that, okay, whatever I'm countering as far as a negative story. For instance, the Vanity Fair um, cover story, you know, that was one of my biggest pet peeves because the media spun this story to make it seem like Beto said he was born to be president of the United States. And as a privileged white man, that is the, the worst thing that anyone could ever say, right? Um, yeah. I, I made it my mission to get to the bottom of what actually was happening. And it turns out Beto didn't say that he was born to be president of the United States. Though, if you listen to the media only, that's what you would think and come away with. And the, that narrative got created. But what he said was, hey, we're in the fight of our lives. I want to be in it. I was born to be in it. It being the operative word related back to the fight. And little things like that, if I can sort of break that down in a logical way, show people, bring the receipts, if you will, um, that's that makes me feel better. And that's how I sort of deal with, with that negativity by, by being truthful, um, speaking out against things that are that are wrong. So so, but even with positivity, that, that narrative is still out there and we still have to be able to push back on the other, other, uh, you know, the negativity that exists in places, places like Twitter. So how do we change that narrative? Like what do, what, how are we going to get everybody to see it out from our perspective? Right. Hang on, Chris, need... let, let me jump in on that one because here's, here's, and I, I apologize, but this is really important and this is why. To, so what DeMarcus just said, so this, this is a well-studied topic. Um, DeMarcus talked about how hard it is once that wrong message is out there. 
that's why being a step ahead as much as you possibly can with uh, information that comes out. This is why media messaging is such a big deal. Um, but this is why supporters may, being very clear in their communication, um, what, what their personal beliefs are. I, I still believe the most important thing is, is to share your personal story and to wrap it with facts about your candidate. So why do you love Beto? What is it that you love about Beto? And then tie it into specific things from his campaign is how that gets overcome. It's just so overwhelmingly documented that once that incorrect thing is out there, as DeMarcus just described, it's still out there. You can't ever make it totally go away. And that's why retractions from newspapers and TV shows and et cetera are such a problem right now. Um, because it's out there, whether you agree with it or not, if it's incorrect, we should be kind of against it, right? Because yeah. if you support Beto, you support things that are truthful and good. Yeah. And right. so we shouldn't get behind things just because it hurts another candidate if it was wrong. So let's not repeat that either. And, and, and so that's why the most important thing is what DeMarcus is talking about is his personal story, which is, which is phenomenal, by the way, such an asset to the campaign. Absolutely. And then wrapping it with the right information is how you can do your best to overcome what's out there, but also get ahead of when they try and spin things. Because yeah. that, that one thing that's out there, you can't, you'll never make it totally go away. But let's get ahead of the other things they're going to try and spin against Beto, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, 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 and you can see that anything that gets thrown out into the internet is there. I actually had this conversation with my students today. Um, we were talking about social media and Twitter. If you tweet something on Twitter, it goes in the library of Congress and it gets saved. So it's forever out there. People can do that with their cell phones too. So if a negative story gets out there, all they have to do is screenshot it and they can re put it back out. So you have to be careful about the narratives that you spin. And one of the big things that I see when people will, you know, go bicker back and forth from campaign to campaign, they don't, in a lot of cases, they don't put out fact. Right. They put out disses on the, and to quote 1993, by the way, um, they, they say something negative about the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't just 1993. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, man. But that's a great. That was a great year. Yeah, it was. It was. It was wonderful. Yeah, that's that's what popped into my brain right now was was the word dis. I. <laughs> I hang out in middle school. I hang out with kids, man. I just relive my youth. Like you, you have people. Well, they don't. They don't come back with like why their candidate is good. They come out with like why their the other, that person's candidate is bad, and that doesn't that doesn't help anything. Yeah. Right. So, Ethan, I'd like to go back to what you said though about uh, getting out ahead of the, these narratives. Um, you know, so when we start seeing something forming out there. Um, cause sometimes a lot of times you kind of get, you know, a precognition that this is going to happen. And then, you, you know, what is the most effective way to short circuit that? I mean, how do you, how do you get out ahead of that? Do we just, you know, continue tweeting into the void and hope somebody reads it? Or, I mean, like what, what exactly can me sitting at home actually do to change the narrative before it gets started? Well, this is where staying close to what the campaign is doing is, mm -hmm. by the way, I do public speaking as well. So if you guys can book me to speak to the group, oh, no, but I mean, just, um, <laughs> we got gotcha. you. It, it's, um, it, it, here's the deal. It, it, it is so important to stay close to what the campaign is doing. Boy, I, and I mm -hmm. remember, I, I don't 
I'm just really independently, objectively talking here. And you could apply anything that I'm saying on this podcast to so many other situations, right? So you want to stay close to what the campaign is doing and how and what they're saying. That doesn't mean, by the way, people get this wrong. That doesn't mean to repeat verbatim what the campaign itself is putting out because that gets easily spotted and algorithms behind the scenes can see that. So what it really goes back to this again, stay, if you want to be like a super supporter or I don't know mm-hmm. what the term would be within the Beto campaign for Beto maniac, Beto man. Thank you. Beto maniac. <laughs> if you really want to be a Beto maniac, what you do is you're keeping a close eye on what the campaign is doing, where Beto is going, but what is Beto talking about? And what you're going to do is you're going to, again, using your personal story, what is it about you? What do you love about Beto? What attracted you to Beto? And I don't mean that in an attracted anything other than why he's your candidate. What is it that you connected with Beto about? And how does that relate to what the campaign is saying? And so you're kind of rephrasing whatever the campaign or whatever Beto is talking about in your words, and you're tweeting about it periodically, and you're even asking questions of others. You know, so let's just say again, just because it's the hot, hot, hot topic that won't stop being the hot topic as long as the the Russian affiliated uh, NRA is is uh, still you know having so much influence over the Republican Party, mm-hmm. which. Is, the mandatory buyback. What is it about the mandatory buyback that's so that so connects with you? You know, in my case, un, you know, like and unlike Demarcus, I I also was in the military. I was in the Army Reserve, so I've fired AR-15s. I fired, you know, I've I've gone skeet shooting. I've gone hunting. I've gone. I've done all these things. I've I've handled many different firearms in my life. And I recognize that for me, that this has no value in society. There's no point in having a semi-automatic rifle that can get 100 rounds out. And so I support Beto because I know from my own experience that this is ridiculous. And the only person who wants that is um, is, is uh, somebody who has you know a, a hobby or a fetish for it. So mm-hmm. for me, and then you can ask the question of others, why do you support? an AR-15 and AK-47 buyback program. So rephrasing it in your own way and asking questions of others is a way of engaging and getting the word out there. Now, you might not want to ask questions because maybe you don't want the answers. So you may just want to put it out there. But I support Beto on this topic, on a mm-hmm. mandatory buyback of weapons of war, because I don't think they're that they're needed anymore. And by the way, Justice Scalia agreed with me in the Heller decision. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, you back if you back everything up with facts, and that's that's a good point. I'm, I, I I am the child and of a very very Trump supporting family, and I have to I ask I ask a lot of questions, and I never want the answer, but I'm able to <laughs> ever <laughs> never have I wanted the answer that any of them gave me. I just. God, I, I ask it and I can see the look on my wife's face just just disappear. Like, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> why are you in But it's important because that's, that's how you connect with it's, another it's, human being. Yes. It's how you engage. It's how you engage, whether they, um, you know, believe ridiculous stories or not. Oh, yeah. You know, you still have to be able to engage them and um, 
and talk to them and asking and asking them questions means I can ask more questions. And the more questions I ask, the more logic of my of my own that I can imprint on it to kind of get them to see the point and see where I'm mm-hmm. coming from. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's a that's a an, an important and key thing we have to have here. That's a, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. It, it even as a teacher, which I do that all the time, so I ask questions to to get you know my point across. That's 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 great. It's yeah. great. It's great stuff. It, yeah, that's why um, when you go canvassing, they give you a big packet. And they give you a big packet of questions, and you go out and you know prompting and talking to people, and you know it, it, they aren't really like you know you're giving people a quiz. It's more of a you know. Having that prompt to have that conversation. Yeah, exactly. That conversation is, yeah. They're people. I mean, that's why I I said that word much earlier, which is empathy. You know, Mm -hmm. we forget that in political battles. Again, if you're talking within your own circles and you're just looking for, you know, scoring a point or whatever, fine. That's one thing. But if you're actually genuinely trying to connect with another person, Mm -hmm. empathy is the most important thing. And questions are a great way of understanding another person which is how you form i mean so empathy is beneath that but then you can build on that and make it mutual by asking somebody a question and that's why the team is is putting that in the packets yeah yeah it's, exactly it, it makes i'm a little disappointed in myself that i hadn't it makes so much sense like, and the empathy is important <laughs> I, I i teach that like i said i teach so i have to talk about that every single day and kids get it Kids understand, yeah. like, once if you tell them something, they figure it out. Oh, Adults hang on may a take second. A... Chris, yeah. kids know instinctively if you care about them or not. That's how, that's Absolutely. the difference between really good teachers or those who are really successful with things like classroom management, for example, and those who aren't, by the way, I have a whole family of teachers. My wife's a teacher. That's um, awesome. But, but that's what it is, is kids instantly know if you actually care about them or not. So do adults. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, I've had experience on this is as much of a cesspool as Twitter is. Um, I try to lead with that most of the time. I'm not perfect. Um, I do get frustrated. I'm human. Uh, but most of the time I do try to have engagements that are empathetic. And I've had some success um, taking conversations offline into like yeah. uh, private messaging, um, changing people's minds um, on, on certain topics by again using facts and and really trying to hear people out um and I, you'd be surprised how many people say hey thanks for the exchange for the civility it was really nice talking to you i may not agree with everything that you say but um at least we could have a discussion um that was that was civil so i think i think you know as bad as twitter is there there can be those moments where we can have those moments yeah, absolutely. I love those moments. I've, I've had a mm-hmm. few of them and it's it's always uplifting, like yeah. especially when you're kind of down and you you just kind of feel like you're being pressed by a lot of, a lot of the vitriol that that happens on Twitter. When moments like that happen, it gives me it gives me a little bit more faith. Oh, um, yeah. Before we we wrap up here, guys, I wanted to talk to you guys about polls because. Oh, my much- God. I, I know. I knew. <laughs> I was like, I've got I'm going to bring up polls for DeMarcus. That's, that's like that's his thing. <laughs> That's my pet peeve, man. So, so Demarcus, tell yeah. me, how do you feel about the polls? I I don't feel anything about the polls, <laughs> and here's why. I'm I'm I know that they're useful for for something. My issue isn't the methodology by which they mm-hmm. gather data, 
my issue isn't even the accuracy of the data. Like if a poll comes out and says X candidate is 20 points ahead of this other candidate, I believe that that poll is correct. However, my issue is the conclusions that we draw from the data, the sample, mm-hmm. um, because I, I believe that polls can be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've said this a lot on Twitter. And the reason being is they, they are supposed to be samples of public opinion, but they also form public opinion. Um, so if people, I went camp or yeah, I went canvassing this past weekend in Inglewood and I talked to a random voter and I asked her, she was an African-American woman, asked her who, who she was voting for. And she said, you know what? I got to stick with Biden um, because, and she, she gave me a because, because I just want to beat Trump. And right now it seems like Biden is the only one who can beat Trump. And why, where would she get that idea? Well, all the polls say Joe Biden is 30 points ahead. He's leading the pack by double digits. He's been there since before he announced. I mean, people see that and, you know, they view this as sort of this race, this we call it the horse race. But I believe that that's not necessarily an accurate portrayal of the population at large. Um, And so when I look at polls, I view them for what they are as as a Mm -hmm. sample of those people. Um, The message that I try to get out is to get people to think critically about what that really means. Um, because I don't really truly believe you can sample uh, the nation and get a, get a pulse on on who the next president of the United States is going to be. The, the poll that I'm looking forward to is Election Day, where we all cast a ballot and everybody's vote is counted. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as these these little little polls along the way, um, it, it just it doesn't give me any confidence in in sort of where the race really stands. Um, and I don't think it should. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely fun to watch the horse race, but it, I always make the equivalent, they say it's equivalent of an NFL power ranking. You know, we're in football season here. You know, it's fun to look at, it's fun to talk about, and it's fun to get some basic information. But like you said, it just, they aren't predict, they are not conclusions, and people shoot sure. for conclusions. And that's not accurate. Yeah. Some people like to argue that they, you know, sometimes they're predictive, but I, I looked at it and I'm like, well, if you're driving a narrative and you're using the poll to reinforce that narrative, then at the end of the day, it comes true. Yeah. Um, was it really organically true or was it because, hey, public opinion was formed because for six months or eight months before the election, this person was at the top of the poll, right. you know, um, I, and l- another thing I've seen some, I don't know how accurate this is, but I've seen some other polls where like, not all the Uh-oh. candidates are even Uh-oh. given his options. Where'd Jamarcus go? <laughs> oh, his oh, point no. was really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> did I, am I here? <laughs> There's Jamarcus. Oh, yeah, okay. you, you were, <laughs> okay, you're mad. That was really good. Um, No, I was just going to make a really quick point about, um, you know, the polls not necessarily giving everybody uh, listing all the candidates as as options. I think that's kind of suspect, you know. 
you can really you no, can shape the whole. I, I agree with you on that one, Demarcus. I mean, there are lots <laughs> of things that we can nitpick about with polls, and and I think you make yeah. some good points there too. But that's the one that bothers me. It's like, wait, these candidates are still in the race, so right. they should be listed on the polls as an option. And when you leave them off, especially if you're talking about a top ten candidate in particular, I mean, I've actually started saying, okay, if you're consistently polling below one percent, and really we don't talk about you, maybe. Maybe there's something to be said about sure. moving on with your life, like to Bill de Blasio. Right. I was against him from the day he got in the oh, race, yeah. but oh yeah, um, but 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 you know, you're right when they don't even list some of the names that are you know that are polling at two percent consistently, and that's not even just Beto for that matter. I get right. annoyed kind of because it seems unjust. Absolutely, and, a, and that's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. So you know, and, and I want to make one other really good point. While you guys know who I. Uh, am supporting. I think it's important to note too. Look, I I am excited. I I love the competition of the primary. I think it's an important aspect of you know our two party system that we have. That we have this competition that's going on. I don't like the debate format. Right oh, now. No. It's fucking oh, terrible. Especially it just this next one. It's, it's ridiculous. But I love the primaries and I love the battles that go on. And I think it's important. And we've seen it play out. In some really interesting ways, you know, the the gun control debate pretty much didn't exist until it became an issue that Beto brought to the front, right? Yep. And, and now it's really gotten momentum. And he's so that's the, the point of the primary process is for these right. issues to kind of, and now we've seen everybody back off of the Medicare for all and kind of fall yep. into the Medicare for America camp. Yep. That's why the mm-hmm. primary is so great. And, and I'm just going to say it again. I think there's a great group of candidates right now. Absolutely. Um, I, I just, I happen to prefer one over others, uh, Beto. But, but the point is, is there really are great candidates and it's a great process of getting to where we can find out what those ideas are that we need to run with and, and, and what's going to win in, in, you know, with the nomination. And then we got to take out if Trump's still even president by then. Right. Yeah. We didn't get that far. He's, he's doing his Big he's doing trying. his damn just to burn the whole thing down. So, oh, yeah. and by but the way, was... I just want to throw this out: if you're in LA listening to this, I'm quite possibly going to see Demarcus uh, at an event for Beto. I don't know if anybody else wants to throw in on that one, Demarcus. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, this Saturday, uh, uh, October Demarcus. 5th. I believe. Oh no! No, he's there. <laughs> he's there. He's okay. there. Okay. <laughs> <I hear him>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. This Saturday, October fifth, twelve thirty p.m. Uh, there's a link on Beto's website. Go check it out. Um, he's doing a town hall, and we're super excited to have him in L.A. That be and fun. I can't wait to meet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Anytime make, you get to see to him, speak is wonderful. Yeah. Can't wait to shake your hand, Ethan. <laughs> we're gonna take pictures. Don't worry. I can't wait. I'm super <laughs> excited. Look, I'm the one who's honored. I'm looking forward to meeting you and and uh, and a number of other people as well. So yes. And and yeah. I, and I guys, this is like the coolest experience. I love that you invited me on this podcast. I, I really seriously, what a what fun to actually talk with human voices instead of just on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. We, we all follow bots. each other and and, and chit chat on Twitter here and there, but it's it's so much more when we get to actually speak to each other. Like a yeah. voice to a picture is kind of nice. Right. But well, uh, I thank you guys. Got to meet Ryan actually a couple weeks ago. Uh, oh yeah, you guys went to the steak fry, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that was was we hung out for a little bit, drank a few beers. 
Yeah. By the way, had, just really had quickly, a birthday party with Beto <laughs> on, on the yeah. steak fry because I, I heard a lot of right wingers go, oh, you, how can you talk about climate change? There's an Australian seaweed. If you make it two percent of the dry feed of cows, it stops the methane. <laughs> totally the cows love it. Yeah, I have, that's that's, that's awesome. good I've to never know. Even heard of that? That's that's good to know. I'll put that. Uh, I'll put I'll put that in there. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I, it's been a fucking blast, guys. Um, I will be, admittedly was super nervous because um, Ethan knows what he's doing, but that's okay. I, I think <laughs> we, we've all toughed our way through it. I really appreciate you guys coming on, Demarcus. You guys, Ethan, thank you so much. Um, and you guys have a forum here anytime you want. All you got to do, hit us up on Twitter and uh, we can we can get it together, whatever you want to talk about. Awesome, Thanks, guys. guys. Thank you. Thank yes, you. thank you. So I, I hope you guys really enjoyed that that segment. We worked really hard on it and we've been working at it for a couple of weeks, um, just trying to get the idea down, getting everything nailed down for how mm-hmm. we we're going to get people on. This is this doesn't just take us uh, like a, a night of yeah, work. Yeah, it's surprisingly we difficult get, getting guests on like you. It, it's you kind of got to stay after people a little bit like it, it, it can be a, it can be a challenge. But that's the good thing. Like I said earlier, having two people working on it really makes it. We can we can get something done now. So that we we cover more ground. It's definitely it's, and definitely. and that actually it, it kind of leads into our next segment. Um, you guys know Dan. Um, Dan has been a regular commentator commentator on our um, on our debates, and he's still part of the debate team. But he he came to me and he was like, "Hey, I want to do do a bit on on impeachment." Um, it's really important, and like I really want to get that out there. I said that's great because we have so much other stuff going on. Why don't we put you on that? So he's essentially our impeachment correspondent. He's going to yeah. be keeping up on all that news, and he's going to be coming in and and doing that piece. Yeah, so that's uh, let's let's go ahead and, and and run that for you guys now. We're going to go ahead and bring Dan on. Um, Dan had actually messaged me this week, and he's like, "Hey, we've got to talk about impeachment." I said, "Well." Why don't you do a whole segment? So Dan's been actually running the show as far as Im- impeachment uh, goes. So Dan, how's it going? It's going good. How you doing, Chris? Hello, Battle fans. Yeah, fellow Battle fans. We're doing pretty good. Um, we're doing pretty solid today, actually. Um, so as we know, Washington is burning. Um, <laughs> the first time it ever happened. That shit is, yeah. Here's looking at you, 1812. Um, <laughs> Stay classy. Yes, stay classy. So, what exactly is impeachment? That's the big word that's a uh, that's up on the hill these days. That's a great question, and I assume everybody listening to this knows what it means. But I want to clear up any possible misconceptions. Impeachment is almost like a investigation. Um, it's almost like a grand jury. Um, best way to put it. It's there's investigations. Um, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. What can happen? But it's basically accusing a sitting official, like an official of a crime, as we learned from Mr. Mueller. You can't really indict a sitting, a sitting president, so the only really way to do, to hold him accountable is to impeach him, which means you accuse him of wrongdoing, quote-unquote, high crimes and misdemeanors. Um, what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks or months, hopefully less than that, is you're going to see... Yeah, hopefully he's quick. <laughs> and it might be. Hopefully you see... Invest, right now you see investigations by, I believe it's six committees. I won't go through them all. Mostly judicial, um, foreign relations, and... Um, What's the big one? Um, intelligence. Intelligence. Yeah, it's a couple yeah, you, can't, ones. You, you can't go trying to. Uh, <laughs> you can't no. strong arm other countries to get them to investigate you, your your you your your political opponents. It's not how it works. You cannot. So right now they're they're actively investigating him in the committees, and they're going to draw up articles of impeachment. Uh, it could be one. It could be multiple. I would guess it would be multiple. Yeah, at this point, uh, it's looking yeah. like it's going to be multiple. Don't get, I'm not going to guess the number, but I will see at least four, four to six, maybe more. So. 
and when they come to the floor, each the the, the whole the entire house, all 535 members, are gonna vote on how many. Um, did I get that wrong? Yeah, are gonna vote on how many. I think right. It's 435 or 535. I'm having a. It's 435. 435. Duh. Sorry about that. Uh, so first they're gonna vote on the uh, or each article. Uh, they get a majority. They're going. It's gonna move forward to an actual impeachable offense. Uh, once that happens, it's gonna move on to the Senate. Uh, we're. Where Senator McConnell, my favorite human being, already said they will have to take it to the floor. Obviously, it's his job; it's his constitutional duty. They're going to have a trial. He'll be um, Vice President Pence will have a part of this. So will McConnell, and they're going to eventually vote on each article. That's that's, we'll get, that's an interesting question. How is he going to preside over that if he's implicated, Mr. Pence? Yeah. Because um, because Donald Donald Trump has shit all over yeah. him and he is flinging well, it as he's that, running by that, these guys. Let's try to get to him in a minute. Let's, let's hold it, put a pin on that one. Um, so that's so that'll happen. You know that'll happen hopefully by next year. And I would assume that he will be found not guilty, considering that the the uh, the state of the Senate. But you never know. So that's basically you, you impeachment in, in a nutshell. Oh yeah. Um, so what what did uh, Trump finally do to break Pelosi? She's been pushing back mm-hmm. on impeachment for a whole while, and then all of a sudden, and I want to I want to go ahead and tout Elaine Loria. She is the uh, my representative. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the she's got the GOP so rattled that they're literally running anti Elaine Loria commercials. Um, it has a lot to do with the op ed that she wrote. Um, as to why she's in favor of impeachment, so that was a, a big turning point. But really, what did the what did Trump finally do to to break Pelosi? When did she say she she'd had enough? Yeah. So so basically, um, over the summer on July twenty fifth, a day after uh, Bob Mueller testified in front of um in front of the House, he on a phone call and multiple times asked President Zelensky of Ukraine to investigate Hunter Biden and and Joe Biden. Uh, I'm not 100% sure exactly what he wants to investigate, what he did wrong. Um, I don't think he really knows, to be yeah, honest with you. It's something to do with a business that he had, a board he was on, uh, which was something that Ukraine had already investigated and it deemed it not worthy of going any further. Um, but, you know, as we know, Vice, Vice, Vice President Trump, uh, President Trump is not the most stable human being of all time. But he's a stable uh, genius. He, he, is, he was saying that today. Oh, he is. I forgot as, about that one. As, as, as he was having a meltdown, like a child. You know, and, and mad props to... um. The, the, the reporter, the Reuters Reuters, reporter? Reuters, I, his name I'm blanking on for a second. Um, he was trending on Twitter before. Um, but, you know, may I props to him for, uh, you know, not not, not kowtowing to his bullshit and, you know, holding strong. But basically, he multiple times asked him to investigate the Bidens. Um, he's, but the, the reason why is he wanted, he's told him to, he must investigate Biden or you won't get, you won't get money earmarked to the Ukraine that was already voted on by Congress. And he had no constitutional right to try to withhold. Um, call it what it will. I'll call it extortion. Whatever you want. You know, that's what I'm going to call it. A, a, a sitting president, as I think you pointed out before, cannot threaten a country with, but, but to do them a favor for the election and withhold something that belongs to them. Yeah, all of the foreign aid that we were going yeah. to give them. Mm-hmm. And the whole line that he's selling that, you know, the United States gives all this money to mm-hmm. Ukraine and nobody else helps. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's not true. The EU puts up a lot of money because the EU literally bumps elbows with Russia and they're not trying to fuck around with that. So, right. you know. And Ukraine is literally borders with Russia and they were recently invaded by Russia or annexed by Russia. Yeah, call. yeah. So what what happened the last time somebody annexed mm-hmm. something? He's looking at you, Austria. Did it end well? Um, no, so, it did not. So basically, <laughs> Trump Trump asked him for a favor for the money. That is a quid pro quo. 
you know, they, they released a transcript that laid it out, you know, but I need you to do me a favor, though, despite what McCarthy might, might say in 60 Minutes. Um, he, he, um, he asked him for a favor, which is... Yeah, that, that was the mind-blowing so part. Yeah. Like, he looked real dumb. Yeah, he did. Oh, well, McCarthy, I assume you mean? Yeah, yeah. I, though, he didn't say, though. Yeah, no, yeah, he, it's he literally in the, like, memo. This isn't even a transcript. It's a but memo. I forget who it was. It's the Colbert, Seth Meyers. What, what part of that sentence would be better without a word, with a word missing? And what word missing would the sentence any better? He's still... It's still a crime. It's still it's still as a country to interfere in our election. Exactly. And you don't. And and this is for any Republicans listening. Mm-hmm. You don't have to actually say, "I will, uh, I will do this for you if you do it for me." Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Yeah, you don't have to actually say those words. Um, it does not take much reading comprehension to figure out that he was asking them to do him a favor and and an illicit fa- uh, favor at the same time so what will happen if uh trump is impeached by congress other um, than the meltdown that we're gonna get because we're already getting it so that could, it'll, it'll go right to it'll go to the senate where vice president pence i believe vice president pence will be the basically the uh, judge of, of the trial or is that mcconnell no, no, no. Uh, the 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 judges. It's actually done by the Supreme Court. Uh, Chief Roberts is oh, going to do that. Right. It's been a while. All right. I really should study better my impeachment. I thought it was Pence. It's um, it's okay. It's we're both teachers and we we teach stuff all day. I I fuck shit up all the time. Except yeah. for the difference is I pretend like I I said it right and then I'll reteach <laughs> it to them. Yeah, Mr. True, didn't you say no, man? You're you're you <laughs> you got me all you got me all so, wrong. We'll cut that part out. Um, <laughs> so basically, the uh, Chief Justice Roberts will be the will preside over it'll basically be a trial uh it'll be information presented to, to to the um senators and they're going to vote at some point on whether or not to remove or to keep an office and like i said before and impeachment's not all about removal from it's office not. that's the big misconception it's, it's just not. bringing up crimes yeah. against the, the president big accusation yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Clinton. Clinton um, was found guilty, and he wasn't removed from Congress. They didn't, or from the office. You know, it. Well, he it, was. It, he wasn't. No, he was found. He wasn't removed, but he was impeached. Accused. Of yes, the, uh, absolutely. He was successfully impeached because he lied to the FBI. Mm-hmm. And, and well, can't well, be doing that. What's gonna What's gonna hurt Trump and Mike Pompeo and and Pence? Mostly the Pompeo and and Rudy. Now that Rudy is elected official, or if not a. Um, a, Stable um, human being? Yes, I know. also not a um, confirmed governmental employee right now is that they're obstructing what's going on. And, and Representative Schiff um, has made it clear that the more they obstruct, the more articles they'll bring upon them. Oh, yeah. Which is what happened to uh, President Nixon and his, his cronies. Oh, yeah. You kept, they kept obstructing. They kept not giving information, and that bit him in the, in the ass. And yeah. Basically, you, ha- you have the tape. You have, you know, you have the Nixon tapes in the in the transcript, which was the full transcript. And what's going to make it worse for these guys is what's in that secret vault? What are they hiding in this vault besides the Ukraine tapes? Is there stuff? Is there problems with, with Putin, with uh, with um, MBS, the Prince of uh, Saudi Arabia, with with uh, Kim Jong Un? Here, here's on? my question: Is that is what if they scrub that? Like, that's, you know, that's um, obstruction. Oh, I, I know that, but you know, if they scrub it and there's no evidence that it was ever there, then like hearsay, you know, is it hearsay? Or I, is I don't think I don't think that that. Well, I mean, at this point, just saying something exists is kind of almost like hearsay. This the whistleblower is a little bit different. So the arg- argument that it's hearsay is is, is garbage. He corroborated mm-hmm. a lot of it mm-hmm. from they, firsthand they, accounts. They've admitted to the conversation. Pompeo yes. and Trump did. Yep, absolutely. Pompeo admitted that he was there. Donald Trump has said it was in there, but it was a perfect call. I don't even know what that fucking means. Like, what is a perfect call? Dan, me and you have a perfect call 
all the time. Except for that, my my Supreme Court screw up with the impeachment. But we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, it's that okay. Later. We're it's, <laughs> we're gonna scrub it like the Republicans. Yeah, no, uh, no, I'm 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 leaving that in there because I uh, want to hold that over your head. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just when, when he talk, it's hard to hear. Listen to this guy talk because he just goes on about nonsense. The, like today way. with the in the meeting with the um, president of Finland, Finland who just Finland. looked like what the fuck? Like what is this happening? This is real. Like, this, is, this is this is this is this is real life right now. <laughs> so, um, will the House draw up articles uh, related to the Mueller report as well as the Ukraine situation? I said they've heard yeah. they're 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 pretty much focusing on yeah. um, Ukraine, but I yeah. mean they're they're making it easy to tie in the Mueller report. Like, you yeah, know. again, that's a good question. You know, last week I know you mentioned they weren't going to, but I I think the more it comes out, the more he's basically doing what he did, what Mueller t- talked about. Mueller laid yeah. out a, a guideline to impeachment. Basically, gave you gave him the playbook, and they kind of dragging their feet. It's the same stuff, you know. He committed a crime and said, "Oh, great, I got away with, I got away with it. Let's do it again." But he's not, and it, it, to me, it shows a pattern of behavior. You know, Don oh. Jr. got got caught on email saying, "Oh, if it's what I think it is, great, I love it." Not yeah. that Don Jr. can be impeached, but like it's it's what they've done. It's everything he's done, on but literally in in a uh, now on on file. Oh yeah, no, they have the files on that, and everything, every little thing that they do moving forward, literally just makes them look more guilty. Yeah. Like if you were innocent, like if I was innocent of something, they asked me for something, and I'd be like, oh yeah, sure, here, I, I didn't do anything wrong. Let's let's do this. Yeah, and you they, know, you know, they've, they've been I'll work really, right along with you. They've been stonewalling. They've been for the last several months not giving them information. Yeah. Almost, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. I don't know exactly. I don't know. I don't know if the Mueller report will be part of this. I hope it is because it shows you the pattern. Mm-hmm. But oh, absolutely! It sets you know, it sets the it sets it up as you know that happened there without a shadow of a doubt. Like they the did only it again. Problem with the Mueller report is that it didn't happen while he was president. It happened before. Yeah, but now he's fucked up mm-hmm. and, and done it mm-hmm. while he was president. Mm-hmm. So he's learned his lesson. He's, he, <laughs> we, he's we we got his ass dead to rights. He's a spoiled baby who never got in, never got in trouble in school. Whose daddy or mommy always got him out of trouble. Yeah, and, good luck know, with that now. Yeah. Um, so let's assume he isn't um, removed by the Senate, right? Mm-hmm. The big concern with a lot of Democrats has been, well, if we fail, we're just going to reelect him, which I think is a bullshit argument mm-hmm. because you know we people people aren't dumb. I mean, let, there are people who are dumb. Let's be serious, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't see it being very detrimental. No, I agree. I, I, you're not going to move the 37 percent of people who would would literally walk into the fire. Trump told them to. Yeah, uh, that's but, a whole different conversation. Yeah. So yeah, obviously. So there's you know there's plenty of people in a, in a purple purple districts. Are you purple? Or are you a sort of a blue district? Re- re- we're relatively blue. Okay, so you're not you're gonna you're gonna obviously people like you know in Jersey people near you are not gonna sway. But I think the people who voted for Trump and appears to voted for Obama or Romney, I think it'll sway them because you know they see this guy who it sounds like an idiot who is asking foreign countries to interfere with an election, which should be something sacred. That he was already called out upon. I don't think people who are, you know, those voters are gonna are gonna think, oh my God, we're, Democrats are on a witch hunt. They're gonna say, you know what? He's had a history of doing improper things, and he's still doing it. Is that the man we want being president? Exactly. And I think as we go through segments f- further, I think you're gonna see Republicans, and I've heard Republicans, I'm not, not saying names, who who would vote for against, sorry, who would vote for removal if it was a secret ballot. Absolutely. Uh, I think uh, Jeff Flake was, said it was up to 35. Jeff um, Flake so literally they, is the bottom of his fucking name, so I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he lives up to it very, pretty, pretty well. But I mean, like, look, you, people are jumping ship. The the mm-hmm. Trump administration is is the Titanic. 
<laughs> so I mean, it's 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 really really not good stuff. Well, his son and but, da- uh, daughter-in-law, sorry, daughter and son-in-law were in by me recently for the holiday. So hopefully, <laughs> who knows what happened? They were away. Oh dear lord! <laughs> when the adult in the room is those guys, that's a sad state of affairs. God help us. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, we're going to make this a regular segment. This is a, a really big thing that's going on, so it's really yeah. important that we get on and we discuss it. So, uh, Dan, thanks for coming yeah. on. We will uh, we'll see you next week. Before I do, I want to get well to Bernie. I know Beto came out of support. You know, obviously, you need to, for human beings, you know, obviously, he's doing better. But thank God he has health care. Bernie Sanders. Abs- abs- <laughs> absolutely. And from the more you hear about it, it sounds like he had a heart attack. I okay. I mean, we – we, we, Death, you know, no, it's not definitely not good for him, yes. and we've probably mentioned it other places in this, in this uh, um, podcast. But it, it it bears mentioning again that we do hope that Bernie gets better. Yeah. Um, politics is politics; life is a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, best wishes to him. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. All right, Dan. Chris, that was great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you uh, in two weeks for the uh, the oh, debate. Yeah, well, and we'll see you next week next for week. another impeachment update because let's I'm be sure. serious. Most likely the mm-hmm. fire is only going to get mm-hmm. bigger. Do we miss some stuff this week that we can talk about next week? Oh, absolutely. All right, take <laughs> All right, it bye. easy. Bye, guys. So that's our show, uh, guys. Um, I'm, I'm re- we're, we're really proud of this one. Yeah. This is, this is like the most comprehensive one I think that we've done. I feel like we did a real show this time. It's not just us sitting around talking about a policy. We actually did something. <laughs> yeah, we, segments, is, we have we have public service announcements. We have news call outs like we got it all. <laughs> ne- next thing we need is we need we just run some ads. Yeah, just something. We'll get where's uh, what is it? One eight one eight seven seven cars for kids. They're on everything. Sponsorship <laughs> opportunities are available. <laughs> we 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 are we are here to believe you. Yes. <laughs> but also, uh, you know, just another just shout out to everybody. If uh, if you're planning something or have something big planned that you have coming up, uh, you know, you want to do a plug or a PSA, let us know. We'll bring you on. We'll talk to you about it. Um, you know, we got I know there's lots of things in the works. Um, I know there's another big trip to Iowa uh, it, it being planned soon. So, uh, yeah, if, if you have something going on, let us know. No, absolutely. And if you if you guys just want a, a a a platform to speak on, like if you see something in your town that just absolutely pisses you off, yes. get a hold of us. <laughs> we will give you that platform and we will tag your city in it. We don't care. You get that yes. platform. That's what uh, the 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 whole Beto universe is about. It is about uplifting each other and giving us all voices. Yes. So, um, guys. For all of you better supporters out there and all of those of you who are even on the fence, we've got a, a lot of stuff uh, going on. We have we just finished the FEC filing. We're waiting for his um, mm-hmm. for his uh, how much money he he was able to raise in, in Q3, I believe it was. What do you what are you thinking, Ryan? I think the numbers are going to be good. I think, be I think they're definitely good. going to be good. They're going to be really good. Um, I'm, I am horrible at estimating these things. I always, I always uh, wildly overestimate what somebody raises. So I'm not, I'm not good at this kind of stuff. Um, but if I had to ballpark it, I'd say probably eight or nine million, I think would be a good number. I think so too. I think we're going to be around the 10 to 11 mark. I know yeah. they raised, they did really, really really well in the last yeah. couple of days i knew they but, had a goal that they wanted to hit right but something I'm to remember a... i was gonna say sorry something to remember here though is beto is running a grassroots campaign 
He's not running a big money market campaign. So, you know, there's different ways of running campaigns. You could run a campaign where you're, you know, you're raising, like Pete, you're raising a lot of money and then you spend it all on television ads or other stuff. Um, you know, that's not what Pieto's doing. He's building, he's running very lean. He's all infrastructure. He's not spending a lot on advertisement. He's not spending a lot on social media. You know, it's, it's, directly goes directly to keeping that tank in the gas so he, so what i'm basically getting at is he doesn't need as much money to be healthy as some of the other candidates given the way he's campaigning so absolutely absolutely yeah so even though we don't know what the numbers are right now they don't have to be the biggest you know no, absolutely not really don't they just it's all about survival at this point Oh yeah, definitely. And and to that point, and I, and this was actually mentioned in the impeachment segment, but I wanted to to uh, send out uh, some some thoughts and like good good vibes to Bernie Sanders. Um, well, oh, yeah. this isn't a Bernie Sanders um, uh, podcast, or I mean, obviously it's a Beto podcast. We only want what's best for our, you know our country as a whole, and Bernie's voice is important. It creates a, a conversation. That's why it's nice to have so many candidates. But mm-hmm. yeah, best wishes to the to, to Bernie Sanders. We hope you get better. Um, like just keep pushing, man. We 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 do we do need that voice out here. Oh yeah, I, I fully agree. Yep, it's it's so, it's really I hope he, important. Hope, hope hope he does hope he does well. Yep, absolutely. It's a uh, it's some scary stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but uh. And I've got one more plug. I'm, I'm, I very, I, I get personal time. I've actually going to end up getting personal twice here, um, which almost never happens <laughs> other than when I give you my opinion, because you know, you know, my fucking opinion. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to give a shout out to my boy. My son turns one tomorrow. Um, oh, it has congratulations. Been an, an incredibly, thank you. An incredibly adventurous year. And, um, it's been the best year of my life. Hands down. I love my son more than anything in the world. Um, I'm super proud of who he, he's developed into even as a one-year-old even if he's essentially got my sense of humor and my wife's wit which is dangerous but happy birthday Bodie I love you buddy um I'm that just I'm super proud of who you are and who you're becoming um even as a one-year-old um but that's it for us guys um don't forget get out donate volunteer canvas um next week's episode is going to be specifically like geared around volunteering so give it a listen find out ways that you can volunteer and uh get involved yeah so yeah thank you guys for listening thank you and uh let's uh keep on looking ahead to better days